and welcome to another edition of Sanctified Reason. Sanctified Reason is where we talk about the issues that are going on today, and we look at them through a biblical perspective, and Dan Delzell is with me, and Dan, you know, we've been talking about a lot of different things uh, the last few weeks that we've been together, a lot of them dealing with things such as the election, we were also talking about things of COVID and lockdowns and stuff like that, but I wanted to start off with a story that with everything that is going on, like I said, we've talked about the elections and how we've got now Texas leading a lawsuit going to the Supreme Court, hopefully, eventually, that will uh, be, who knows what's going to happen with it, but it's going to be a big decision that the Supreme Court's going to have if they do decide to take it up. But you've got other states, you've got other uh, politicians from other states, you've got attorneys generals from all these states. Everybody's kind of jumping on this Texas lawsuit. So you have that going on. Then we have the COVID thing, which now, at least here in California, and I'm sure pretty much other places across the country, is starting to explode again. And we've got growth, and we've got people getting sick, and we've got you know all these lockdowns going again, and we've got stay-at-home orders, and we've got you know don't get together with your family uh, at Christmas time or at Thanksgiving time, you know all that going on, despite the fact that politicians aren't obeying their own orders. But anyways, and so then we get this article that comes out of North Carolina. And it's a family from North Carolina that they have been fined by a housing association, the homeowners association, because they installed a six foot cross outside their home as part of the Christmas decorations. And I wanted to maybe start off with this as we go into some, maybe some other topics eventually that of all the things that people need to be worried about right now in this day and age at this particular time is a family putting up a six-foot cross in the yard as a part of their Christmas decorations. Yeah, I tell you, son, um, it's just it's just crazy that that, that, that board of that uh, association, that homeowners association, would would choose to take the position that that they have. And what 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 I read that they stated in their um, in in their uh, claim against this family is that. They, they, they said, well, it's, it's appropriate to use uh, a cross at, at Easter, but, but, not, but not, not at Christmas. And, um, and, and I saw a photo. I mean, this family had the cross on the side of their house, uh, but whether it be in the yard, whether it be on the side of the house. Um, but, I mean, how misguided do you have to be to, um, you know, to think that somehow, um, you know, Americans shouldn't be free to display across any time of the year and how sad you know how sad it is on that that that, that that people don't seem to understand the link the direct link the direct you know connection between uh the manger and the cross um you know there would be no celebration of christmas if, if it wasn't for the cross and the empty tomb and, uh, and yeah that's that's kind of natural man without sanctified reason you know, he's kind of like this guy in a, in a jewelry st- uh, store one time. He went in, and, and uh, I think it's Japan or somewhere, and, and he saw this little piece of jewelry, maybe a necklace or a ring or something, and, and uh, he said, I'll take the one with the, the, that little guy there on the, on the cross or whatever. But, I mean, there are so many people who have no clue, um, you know, what, what the cross is about, what Christianity is about. Uh, I was listening today to a testimony by a Jewish man who, who said he grew up in New York and, and, um, you know, they, they never had been told anything about the Messiah, you know, as far as Jesus and all the, the prophecies and, and all the, um, the things that point to him as the Messiah. Uh, they'd never, you know, read the new Testament. And, and he just was describing how, when he, when he started to enter into that realm and, and realized that Jesus was Jewish and, and realized that, uh, that Jesus was quoting the Old Testament all the time and, and then, and then coming to find, you know, learn himself personally that Jesus truly is the Messiah, um, that, you know, what an eye opener was, but how many of his own people, how many of his own Jewish people, um, have, have never even considered that possibility or they've been told it's not a possibility. And so you have this deal in North Carolina now where, um, it's like this Christian family uh, is is being fined, as you say, therefore simply, um, you know, representing their faith in the person of Jesus who was born in a manger, died on a cross, rose again, and um, 
I, I'm hopeful that they will reverse their decision there, son, because um, that is not what America has been historically, a nation that's going to try to stop Christians from, um, you know, from displaying a cross. And, uh, and, and we know without the Lord, our nation is doomed. Uh, uh, you know, we're completely doomed without the Lord. So, um, you know, even for unbelievers today in America, they would be wise to, uh, to seriously think about the freedoms that we have and, and the direct link between Jesus, faith in him, and freedom. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of like I, uh, I posted a video on, uh, on Facebook a few years ago. There was this uh, awesome video of these Marines. Uh, who were, I believe they were at boot camp, but they were, um, they were involved in this, uh, you know, like Christian service, a worship service, and they were singing, there's no God like Jehovah, and they were, you know, jumping and singing, and I got, you know, got a lot of views um, online, but it was just great to see, um, you know, in that case, you know, uh, young men and women who were, um, you know, serving our nation, getting ready to serve our nation, who were not ashamed to recognize where our freedom ultimately comes from, because if our hope, you know, son, is in the politicians, uh, we, we, we see today, boy, we are in desperate straits if, if we're putting our hopes on them. You know, Dan, in the uh, article I was reading, it uh, made a statement from the association, the Homeowners Association. It said um, that they shared their response with the board, and several members of the board are devout Christians and are intimately familiar with the cross being the foundation for which Christianity is based. Then it goes on and says, the cross represents, this is a quote, the cross represents the death of Jesus, who died for our sins, so we can have eternal life. The Christmas season is associated with the birth of the Savior, so nativity scenes would be an appropriate representation of the season. You know, basically meaning that the cross isn't. So it's not a Christmas decoration, therefore can't be displayed. So I couldn't help but sit there and almost mock them for their, you know, false ideology yeah. and their theology. Because when you yeah. look at it, in essence, the cross is the very first Christmas tree. Because you think about mm, it, yeah. you have Jesus yeah. dying on the cross. And what gifts did he leave, so Amen. to speak, under that tree? Well, you have the gift yeah. of forgiveness. You have the gift of eternal life. You have the gift of um, love and hope. And there's all these other yeah. gifts that are there that he left for us. And, yeah. you know, the analogy I like to think of is, okay, I can open the gift of repentance at any time and the gift of forgiveness at any time. Mm -hmm. But when I die, that's when I really unwrap that gift of eternal life. Because yes, even yeah. though I'm saved and I know that's where I'm going, I, I haven't opened that gift yet because I don't need it right now. I mean, that's it's not for me to open right now because I'm here on earth. And so for me, that's kind of the analogy is when I die, I'm opening this gift of eternal life and going on into heaven. And so what they don't realize is, like you said, the cross to me almost represents the first Christmas tree with the gifts under there. And then secondly, when you sit and look at the times that we've been going through 2020, that cross could be a reflection of the hope that we need right now today and the place where we need to put our trust for the only person that can get us through all this turmoil that we're going through. And when you sit yeah. and you read, you know, oh, these board members are devout Christians, but they have a disconnect between one versus the other. I think they're missing the entire point, And that is we should be having the cross up because that's where our focus should be. Because as we look through uh, the, the things that go on in this world through the biblical perspective, that is our only hope, the hope of the cross. Yeah, where would we be without that sign? And I love your your reference to the the first Christmas tree being the cross. I think that's beautiful. In fact, you know, over the past thirty years as a pastor, I've I've at times at Christmas, uh, you know, made that very point. I invited people to come to the the, the tree, the, the to the the Christmas tree. I don't know if I ever called it necessarily the first Christmas tree. I may have, but but I, I've talked about the cross as the tree that um, that, that we can come to. And, and, and that the gift, the gift of, of forgiveness and eternal life is there for us. And, you know, another way um, to also describe it, Son, in addition to um, like what you said about how, you know, we, we don't gain entrance into heaven until after we die. Um, uh, and, and, and also, though, uh, the thing to think about is that whenever a person comes to Jesus, um, and is spiritually reborn through faith. You know, as you repent of your sin and believe in Jesus, um, the moment your sins are forgiven, the Bible says you're converted. 
Uh, now, you know, I already, you know, that word converted um, isn't even necessarily um, one that's in the Bible much at all, if at all. But word, words that are in the, uh, I mean, it's in there a little bit, but um, words that are more common are words like um, uh, redeemed, uh, justified, uh, saved, you know, born again, forgiven. So, so they're on the front end when a person becomes a Christian, um, unlike, you know, every other belief system in the world that makes you, you know, work for um, your ultimate reward, you know, Christianity provides for you that covering for your sin on the front end of your relationship with God. And what, what, a, what greater gift is there than that? Uh, so that then, like you say then, son, when a believer dies, you know, I think about that Bible verse, blessed in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Well, to become a saint, you know, many people think, well, you have to die to become a saint, and then maybe a church says you're a saint. Well, no. Um, in the Bible, uh, the, the, the ones uh, who are the saints are, are the believers, and you become a saint when you become a believer. You become a saint when you become a Christian, and, and that's when the, the gift of salvation is received. Um, you're not yet in heaven. So you don't have that, that, that gift, you don't have, but, but, but you do have the forgiveness of your sins. And, and, and the Bible says the gift of God is eternal life. And so what I like to say, Saul, is that, you know, a person actually, their eternal life begins the moment they receive Jesus as Savior. And, and here this, there, there's a little bit of time right now where um, our eternal life is experienced in this world of sin, in this world of death, in this world of covid you know, in this world of, of, at times, you know, crooked politicians and, and evildoers uh, doing wicked things. Um, and, and that's on the front end of our eternal life with God. But, but once the body dies, then, as Paul said, you know, then, then he, he's released from the body. Your soul then goes to be with the Lord. So I like, I like what you said about, you know, the tree, the cross is the first Christmas tree. And we get that gift of paradise when we enter heaven. And, and also, you know, just, to, just for a person to realize that if you're a Christian, um, you have received the gift of salvation, um, you're saved. Now, maybe today hasn't been as good of a day for you. Maybe you haven't been feeling as good or haven't been as fired up for your faith or whatever, you know. But if you're saved, you're saved. If you're forgiven, you're forgiven. If you're a child of God, then you're redeemed, justified, you're born again. But, but this is why Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again, because only those who are spiritually reborn, who are converted um, through faith in Jesus, only those, son, as you and I know, and, and every believer knows, um, only those will enter heaven when we die. So that's, that's the message that we're, we're, we're presenting um, as Christians, and it takes sanctified reason uh, then to, to grasp it. But the Holy Spirit will give a person that, just like that Jewish man uh, who is so thankful that he came to know that, you know, Jesus really is the Messiah. And, and I just don't get, I just don't get that, that uh, homeowner association. I mean, you know, it's great if, if some of them are Christians, that's great. I can't, I can't for the life of me fathom why any Christian would ever sign on to a, a, uh, a request or a requirement that, that, that well, somehow, you know, we're going to, we're going to, you know, legislate what symbols you can use. Uh, I mean, well, what's next? Are you gonna, why don't you just go to their house or tell them how they should educate their kids? Tell them what church they should go to. Tell them what they can and can't believe about doctrine. I mean, what's next? I mean, this is, this is beyond petty. Um, you know, it, it's, it's not something that any Christian should ever sign his name to that, that we're going to tell people in our, in, you know, y'all, you can, you have to reserve the cross for Easter. You can't use it uh, for Christmas. What, what, what kind of logic is that? You know, Dan, as you speak, something just came to mind. You know, in um, Florida, apparently they have the most homeowners associations or those types of things, almost 50,000, and about 10 million people live in those associations. In California, you know, there's the the second largest state with about, again, almost about 50,000 associations. And then you look at Mm -hmm. Texas, Illinois, North Carolina, New York, et cetera. So here's what I was thinking. Okay, there's a lot of people who are voluntarily moving in to a place where they're being told how they can basically live their lives, okay, with what they can put on their yard, how their house should be, you know, all those type of things to basically kind of rules and regulations to live by. Mm -hmm. Now, in this case, just 
before I get to my main point, in this case, yeah. the cross is still up, but they're still debating it, and you know, hopefully, they can keep it up. Because, yeah. like you said, with the with the Jewish guy that eventually found out who Jesus really was, getting the yeah. message out there is important. But here's the thing: yeah. so so we got a lot of people that are voluntarily moving into these places and right. becoming governed by these associations, rules and regulations. It makes sense to me now that as we move into like this COVID era, mm-hmm. when there's a, or even the voting era that we have with the elections, yeah. that people just automatically right. submit or assume or are told this is how it is and automatically then they submit to that because they're right. used to it because they've conditioned themselves because the homeowners associations tell them to do this. So, yeah. I mean, as I'm thinking out loud on this, as you were talking, I'm thinking, no wonder why sometimes we're in the state we are because people are used yeah. to being told what to do because the homeowners association yeah. tell them. And so when someone right. says, Hey, you need to do this, they don't question it right? because they're already conditioned themselves because in this yeah. particular case, you know, we deal with a lot of media cover-ups. In fact, you can open any newspaper or look on any news website, and there's people right. and articles where people that voted for a certain person, in this case the president-elect, would not have voted for him if the media hadn't covered up some of the things that are going on with his family, his son, yeah. and uh, yeah. some of the criminal yeah. probes and things like that. And so here right. in this particular story, to make a quick correlation, you've got mm-hmm. this homeowners association who some of these people are supposedly devout Christians and know, mm-hmm. according to the article, mm-hmm. why are they covering up this message when they should be putting it out there? Just like, because they have an opportunity to witness to people. And when people come by and say, why is that cross up? Exactly. They can explain why. And then hopefully that starts some conversation with people about who Jesus is, what the true meaning of Christmas is. And then maybe right. give people some knowledge, just like these voters that would have possibly voted differently had they known the full story behind the president-elect, yeah. his family, his son, his brother, and all those you know, alleged illegal dealings or investigations mm-hmm. that are going on right now. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think there's also, Son, a, a comparison um, to what we hear so often today in the political realm um, you know, you'll hear people say, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a Republican, for example, like, like, you know, like the governor in Georgia and people like, you know, Mitt Romney and, and Jeb Bush and people like that. Um, in fact, you know, I just saw where Jeb Bush said, well, the election is over. Um, well, no true conservative, saw, no true conservative would want anything but fairness, whether it be, whether it's going to be Trump or Biden. No true conservative would want anything but, you know, the legal votes to count, but not the illegal votes to count. So, you know, Jeb Bush may have a vendetta against, you know, Donald Trump for things that they said about one another maybe during the debate. But, but for him to say the, um, the election is over, um, to me, it, it is like, you know, the other, you know, so-called, you know, Republicans who, when push comes to shove, you, you, you wonder, they, they don't seem to be conservative. Uh, you know, they, they don't seem to hold to conservative principles. They don't seem to be more concerned about the Constitution than they are about just maybe their political fortunes or their family or their friend, their political friends. Um, and it's like, it's like, wait a minute, you know? Um, you know, and here, here's what folks like that don't get, and certainly those on the left don't get, Don. It's never been about Trump, okay? It just, it just happens to be that, that Trump is a guy who's willing to stand up for the people. And this is what people long for, someone who will stand up for them, whether it be on a homeowners association board or whether it be in the White House, someone who will stand up and say, wait a minute, you know, um, this is about the people, not about your little rules, not about your little agenda. Um, and, and I'll tell you, son, I don't think any of us have seen the kind of suppression of the media that we've seen, for example, with the Hunter Biden story that the media wouldn't touch other than just conservative media, but the media wouldn't touch. Now the New York post, the fourth or fifth largest newspaper in the country, they uh, were willing to get the message out on that. But, but most of the, you know, certainly the mainstream media would not even touch it. Just like big tech has, has, uh, you know, with, with uh, Facebook and Twitter um, and YouTube, how they just literally shut down, um, you know, uh, accounts of people who just try to put some evidence out about election fraud 
and, and the, the, the suppression that we've seen um, with anything that would be, um, you know, not, not uh, promoting the message of the left. I mean, they, they seem to have taken their, um, they seem to have taken their, their, their plans straight out of the, the rule book of any uh, communist nation, the way that they um, try to try to shut down the other side and it's just been incredible. So I guess I was just trying to compare uh, maybe these, these these Christians. Okay, and I'm not going to question their faith, and I'm certainly not going to judge them. Okay, but I'm going to say this: if you have Christians on a school board that that seem more interested in um, you know making the other board members happy, I mean, because how how would you be making Jesus happy? How would you be making? How would you be pleasing the Lord? As a professed Christian, if you are going to put your name on on a, on a ruling that says no people who live here they need to they need to only use the cross at Easter they can't use it now. I mean that's not something that, that gives God any glory. That that that's not something that you know um, promotes you know freedom of religion, which which we have in our nation. Um, that's not something that celebrates their own faith in, in the cross. Okay, so maybe you won't, aren't going to put a cross up at your house for Christmas. Fine. Maybe your kids aren't uh, at a private school, or maybe they're not homeschooled, or maybe they're not at the at the public school, okay, like your Christian neighbor next door. But who are you or I to tell our neighbor, our Christian, you know, our, our brother, sister in Christ, how they have to do it? So if you're going to put your name on that, then you're very much like the rhinos, uh, the Republicans in name only, who are more interested right now in getting done with this election than in exposing the voter fraud that is perhaps a hundred times worse than it's ever been in any election. And you have to so bury your head in the sand to, to ignore it, way more even than the Hunter Biden story. Um, so I just, I'll conclude with this. When someone like Jeb Bush says the election is over, or how about right here in, in my own home state here, or not home state, but where we're at now, um, you know, we've been here for, you know, 20 years, but, um, in Nebraska. So I, I just can't believe what I hear coming out of Ben Sass's mouth. Uh, and, 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 you know, like Mitt Romney and like Jeb Bush, and I think he just hates Trump. He's one of these, I think, you know, never Trumpers. And they, and they can't seem to get beyond um, they can't seem to get beyond what, what appears to be a hatred for Trump. But, you know, Trump is for the people. And, and, and it's not that the people worship Trump. I mean, I certainly don't. I know you don't. But, but we are so thankful that somebody um, is in this position who doesn't kowtow to the rhinos, doesn't kowtow to the media. I mean, you know, tell me one, show me one politician, son, uh, who's ever had um, – ever had the guts to call out the liberal media the way the way Trump does. I mean, even even a fraction to the degree that he does. You, you think Ben Sass would ever do that? You think Mitt Romney would ever do that? You think um, Jeb Bush would ever do that? So, I mean, this is why the, the, the populist movement, this conservative movement, um, is going to continue to press on. And in many ways, it is the rhinos and certainly the left that have created it. Because they, by suppressing... Um, the, the truth many times um, and being more interested in their own, you know, pocketbooks and their own little agendas than in the people. Um, thankfully people are rising up and saying enough is enough. And when Donald Trump is no longer, you know, in the equation, we're going to need many more like him. Uh, and we're just talking there to be in the political realm, son. We're not even talking about the more important realm of, 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 you know, the church and of, of eternal life in heaven. So all of this is going on right now at a time when, um, we need God more than ever. Uh, we need his salvation. And we need not just the manger, as important as that is. We need the cross. We need the empty tomb. We need the Holy Spirit. And we need Christians, uh, including Christians on a homeowners association, to be willing to represent their faith more than just keep their little board or whoever, you know, happy with their decisions. If you're going to profess faith in Christ, please don't try to uh, stop the cross or the manger or the empty tube. What are they going to do next? Is Easter? No, you can't put up a manger. It's Easter. That's inappropriate. Is that what they're going to do? I mean, come on, give me a break. You know, there's a, a saying that I heard a number of years ago, might've been in my time when I was living in Nebraska, but it was a yeah. uh, cowboy up, right? 
And so, or cowgirl yeah. up, which basically was the mentality that you need to suck it up, get tough, kind of fight back. You know, you right. get bucked off the horse, get back on there. Um, mm-hmm. And so it was a, a, a term, cowboy up. Hey, things are getting rough, cowboy up, you know, suck it up. Yeah. I think it's about time Christians need to Christian up and start to get out yeah. there and, you know, fight back and do something. Because here's the other thing. We're starting to see the administration that Biden is putting together. And it's becoming scary. I mean, you're talking about, you know, pro-abortion legislation that could come out of this, you know, through executive order. Um, We're learning, you know, about the people that he's putting in certain places. I know California's attorney general, um, Becerra, uh, Xavier Becerra, he's being considered for health and human, uh, uh, health and human, um, whatever it is, uh, secretary of health and human services. And so, um, and he's a dangerous guy. He's an outright liar. He's lied yeah. many times putting things on the ballot. I mean, this guy is an evil personified when it comes to politicians, and I've experienced it for the past number of years he's been here, so I can say it. And he hates pro-life people, yes. doesn't he? Yes, and he'll come after them, you know. And then yes. pe- people forget, yes. you know, people forget under the Obama era, you know, the IRS was weaponized against Christians, you know, yes. and he's bringing back yes. all these people. Biden's bringing back all these people. So it's scary to think that, you know, these 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 Republicans, these conservatives, and especially somebody like, you know, your guy from Nebraska who's sitting there saying it's over. Why wouldn't you fight yeah, yeah. for the people of Nebraska? Because I can't imagine the people of Nebraska wanting this type of thing or this type of administration, you know, gun control, uh, all this different stuff. And sure, if you're a liberal lefty and you want all this, that's fine. You're not going to fight it. But for the the average American you know, they want their freedoms and they want to fight back. And so maybe it's time for Christians to Christian up and start to fight back so that we can, you know, fight for our freedoms, fight for our liberties. Because here in California, John MacArthur's church, for example, is being attacked, attacked, you know, closed down. I guess the guy in um, the governor of, uh, was it uh, Virginia? He says that, oh, you don't need to go to church. God can hear you wherever you're at. So the right. assault is continuing on Christians. And so that's right. why this uh, Texas lawsuit is going to be important. One interesting right. thing, okay, a lot of people, like you said, the election's over, get over it. Well, here in California, right. a legislature uh, from up north, he and another guy basically sued Gavin Newsom, our governor, and uh, basically said there was overreach in him and some of the dealings that he's been doing with the lockdown mandates. And one of the things that the judge ruled was that Gavin Newsom, he uh, took an unconstitutional, basically unconstitutionally proclaimed that these mail-in ballots was going to be the way. You know, when he said back in June, everybody's getting a mail-in ballot, and so everybody can vote through mail-in ballots in California. Well, a judge ruled that that was an unconstitutional exercise of legislative power, and she ceased and desisted and said he cannot change law. And that's what the Texas lawsuit's about. The Texas lawsuit is about these states that right. the governors basically did what Newsom did, and they created their own law and said That's this right. is how we're going to do it. They changed election law. And so what the Texas legislature is saying that, hey, wait a minute, they changed the election law, which only the legislative body can do, and therefore that makes yeah. the balloting unconstitutional perhaps. You know, one of the arguments. Yes, no, that's right, Tom. And I think in some cases, maybe even more than the governors, maybe there were different election officials. And I think, and I think, um, if I understand it correctly, um, you know, because they're not legislators, um, they they went around the law. They just circumvented it. They came up with new rules um, because they knew that if they tried to actually change the actual statute, you know, that might be a two year process that would involve you know the legislatures of their of their respective states. And, and they probably know that, that now there's no way, at least in any of these states that, uh, you know, have, have Republicans in the majority, um, you know, the, the, you, you hope there's no way that they would ever now um, allow some of these changes and, you know, allow, you know, ballots to come in after Election Day, especially after the debacle this year. But, no, you're exactly right, Sam. That's what the Texas suit is about. I'm so impressed with their Attorney General, Ken Paxton. I'm so impressed with his just very level-headed approach to the law. And I'm so thankful, I guess, I, you know, I never had really known, I'm sure many Americans hadn't, that in, in a situation like this, where you have a state, you know, that is bringing a lawsuit against another state, that the Supreme Court has uh, what's called original jurisdiction, and, and they actually have exclusive jurisdiction, you know, it does not have to go before any other court. And, and that's where, you know, these other very strong 
uh, suits that have been coming, you know, from people like, like Sidney Powell and, you know, Rudy Giuliani's legal, you know, Trump's legal team with Giuliani and, and Jenna Ellis, where, you know, these judges have not been accepting, uh, or, you know, even the uh, opportunity to look at the evidence many times. So we're, we're hoping and, and praying that the Supreme Court will allow now oral arguments to be uh, to be heard on this Texas suit that now has, I saw like 126 uh, representatives from the House that have come along board with that and something like uh, 18 attorneys general and, and, and formally a number of states, you know, at least six states, if not more formally. So a lot of people have put their name out there on the line. A lot of attorneys general have said there is merit to this case. Um, and just to what you said, Son, there is merit to this um, to this fact that that you know these election officials, governors, and whoever in these states, they went around the law. They they changed the rules, but they didn't do it through the legislature. Um, they didn't do it the right way. They went against uh, you know their state laws, their state constitution, and the federal constitution. And because of that, um, I'm very hopeful that the Supreme Court. We'll, we'll make a strong uh, ruling on this and at a minimum, you know, send it back to the states for the legislatures to each decide their own uh, electors. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I know there are several different uh, forms of remedy that maybe are being sought or that could be um, decided by the Supreme Court. But, um, yes, we live we live in a very, you know, very uh, perilous time. You know, there's more and more evidence coming out that the Democrats want to. Uh, back up their threat to pack the court. Um, you know, they, they want to pack the Supreme Court with, with leftists. Um, they they want to pack the Supreme Court with people who are not first and foremost for the people, but are first and foremost for China, or first and foremost for big tech, or first and foremost for, you know, their, their Washington cronies, um, you know, who are first and foremost for, you know, a liberal agenda. Um, and, and Donald Trump has stepped into that void um, and, you know, uh, uh, there have been some others in Washington who, who had his back, you know, like Jim Jordan and, and, and some others like that. Uh, you know, Devin Nunez, you know, from out there in your state and others, but um, not enough. Although, like I say, now we've got, what, 126 representatives who've come on to this suit. They, they put their name to it from the various states. And so, uh, yeah, it's very, very critical time that the truth be um, the truth be proclaimed. And, um, you know, I was telling somebody, son, very shortly after the election, like that very week, I said, my prayer is that the fraud be exposed. And I've been praying that. I know many Christians have. And then you've got folks who've been working so hard, like Jenna Ellis, wonderful Christian, you know, lawyer there on Trump's team. Um, you know, Kaylee McEnany, another wonderful Christian, his press secretary. So, um, boy, it's a spiritual battle. Uh, you know, Ken Paxton is is uh has done a, a wonderful thing to put this forward and uh we'll just have to see now what the supreme court does and then you know where it goes from there you know the other interest interesting thing that i find is that again people i don't know if they're just because we're conditioned like i was talking about earlier with the homeowners association or what the deal was but there's a lot of people that just blind give their loyalty blindly to somebody or they'll just follow along blindly. For example, we have been suffering from a COVID. When it first came out, people lost jobs. People were out of work. Businesses shut down. The government jumped in and created a stimulus and got some people money and tried to help. Since then, there's been nothing. There's bickering back and forth. There's been some, you know, some things, laws or, you know, legislation, I guess you can call it, that was proposed by this side or that side, no agreement. And then recently, Nancy Pelosi comes out and says, yeah, they withheld all this stuff because they didn't want Trump to have it because now that we've got a new president-elect, we can start talking stimulus again. And then Bernie Sanders, same thing. Yeah, we withheld all this stuff because Trump is in office. Now that we've got the new president-elect, we can start talking about it again. So basically what they're saying to their constituents, the people that vote them in, is that we don't care about you and we'll only care about you when it benefits us. And for all these months with all these people out of work and not having any income and their lack or loss of income has come as a direct result from the politicians themselves mandating what we can and can't do. It's like, why do they continue to follow these people? Why do they continue to vote for these people? 
Why do you continue to blindly follow a party that doesn't care about you? You don't do it in the relationship. If you're in a relationship and the, your significant other doesn't care about you, you leave them. And I think that's one yeah. thing that I find interesting about the president, his administration. People have kind of, I don't want to say, uh, people have gone to him because despite his personal life and things that he may have said and done, and really despite the tweets and things that he does, whether or not that's appropriate or not, which a lot of times, sometimes they're good, sometimes they're not. You know, he's not perfect. But his actions are for the people, and his actions demonstrate to the people that his concern is for them. And that's That's what they like. That's what people are attracted to is we finally see a politician who is going to sit there and do something for us. And I think that's That's why people flock to him in droves, you know, 75, whatever million people voted for him again. Exactly. And so that's what it is. But yet you've got people that are going to say, you know, what, I don't like what he did, what he said personally. I don't like his tweets. I hate him as a person, so I can't vote for him. Right. So I'm going to vote for somebody that's going to take away our liberties, who's going to you know, be pro-abortion, who's going to be like, uh, you know, totally give our lives over to China and to Russia. And, you know, and we're just going to give it all away. And the next right. thing you know, and then that's what happens. You know, they want to do away with everything. They want to do with religion. They want to do away with everything. And the one interesting thing that I have found through all this are, you know, hair salon owners. I know a few people that are in the, uh, the hair business. And, you know, they are irate, especially here in California, at Gavin Newsom, because it's the one entity that creates a lot of business for people. But yet it's the one, in, one of the industries that is really being um, targeted because apparently if you, you know, get together at a French laundry restaurant in Northern California with a bunch of medical people as the governor, you can't get COVID. But if you get your hair done by somebody, then you're going to get COVID, yeah. you know. Right, and so right. and so you're starting to see people push back against some of these uh, politicians in the sort because we've got a big recall thing going. And it's quite uh-huh. successful. They're halfway to the signatures. But it's like they're starting to see that, okay, Gavin Newsom is doing nothing for us, so we're going to revolt against him. Trump is right. doing stuff for us. We're going to be drawn yeah. to him. And some of these other, I mean, California, yeah. California flipped a lot of houses on the national level because they see that the Democrats weren't doing anything. But I'm still surprised that people will follow a party. I mean, you've got that Blexit that Candace Owens is doing, you know, black people yeah. leaving the Democratic Party. You've had, you know, yeah. a majority of or the most, I guess you could say, of different demographics, whether it be black, whether it be Cuban, whether it be Latino, right. whatever, voting, you know, Republican this time because they're starting to see somebody do something for them. And it'll be interesting to see how it goes moving forward because I think people are tired of being stepped on by politicians that really don't care about them. That, that's it, Son. And, and people who have, you know, the name of your podcast, people who have sanctified reason, um, you know, they are just, um, there, there's so much righteous indignation at the way the, these these politicians, um, like you know, like Newsom and, and Pelosi and others, the way they, they show no interest in the people. Um, I mean, you know, if Pelosi had gotten on board with a stimulus package, you know, months ago, but no, you know, she didn't want Trump to be seen as as, as being part of any victory. I mean, even today, I was seeing where there were you know a couple uh, a couple folks who were trying to get this. Uh, you know, stimulus out to folks, $1,200 again, you know, for folks who make less than 75000 But, you know, Pelosi's holding out, you know, she wants billions to bail out these, these uh, you know, Democratic-controlled states that have just, you know, wasted their money. And, and, and so, you know, people who are, are fiscally responsible, you know, don't, you know, they don't want the money to go to that. They want it to go to the people, not to the bureaucrats who made stupid decisions. Um, you know, like, like, like the people in, in, in Minneapolis with you know, you know, defunding the police and, and so many out in your state there in California. Um, and, uh, and, and, and so sanctified reason, um, first and foremost, son, it enables somebody to see that Jesus is the Messiah. Um, he was born, you know, uh, 2000 years ago in Bethlehem. Uh, he did live a perfect sinless life. Uh, he did begin his ministry at the age of 30 and, you know, three years later, they, they nailed him to a cross. So this family in North Carolina says, hey, we're going to put a cross on the side of our house because Christmas is, for us, it's about Christianity. You know, we're not going to just pick out one little part of it. We're not going to just pick out, you know, um, you know, one little story in the Bible. Uh, we're going we're gonna to present, try to present the whole message. And, 
and but it takes sanctified reason to see that. But then, son, you know, you 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 said a couple times here in the last few minutes, you said, and, and I'm with you. You said I, I don't understand how you know why why they would keep voting these people in. The only thing I can think, son, is that um, when you lack sanctified reason, um, I mean, the, the biggest thing you miss is Jesus as, as your savior. But then it, it's even possible without sanctified reason to, to, to be supportive of the very politicians who are digging your grave, who are keeping you from being, you know, uh, prosperous, who are keeping you from being free, who are keeping you from being protected, who are keeping you from being safe. Um, you don't see it. Right? And, and, you know, you and I, we look at that, we say, how can you not see that? How can you not see that, 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 that Trump, you know, is, is on board, as are, you know, you know, conservative uh, politicians, they're on board with, with these things that will protect us and free us and liberate us and be in our best interest. And, and, and so that's the only thing I can think, Son, is that there's such darkness in a person's mind um, when you don't have sanctified reason that, you know, you mentioned like his cabinet choices, Biden's cabinet choices. I mean, this guy, attorney general out there in California now and following in, in uh, Kamala Harris's footsteps. I mean, you know, to hate the pro-life movement, to, um, you know, to do what they've done, like to that, uh, was, what was it, the Project Veritas, where the, the, uh, the reporter went in, the undercover guy with the camera in the Planned Parenthood places. And, and I heard him speaking recently, and he said, you know, it's legal to do that out here in California. They've never prosecuted anybody else you know, for, for doing any sort of undercover reporting like that. They probably praised them, and they probably had some article written about them in the New York Times because they did some undercover thing somewhere on 60 Minutes. But, boy, let it be Planned Parenthood where they're, you know, butchering babies. And, oh, my, now we're going to put our top, um, you know, our, our, our top, uh, you know, person there uh, to enforce the law in, in our state. We're going to stick them on you. And we're going to have our attorney general, you know, come after you. And, and it's just, it's a lack of sanctified reason, Son. And, and we have to just keep praying for our nation that, that people will meet the Lord. Because light and darkness, you know, the light's getting stronger in certain places. The darkness is definitely getting darker. And um, it, it's interesting because right now it's all kind of colliding here at the Supreme Court. And I'll tell you, Son, whichever way this thing goes, um, I mean, I, I think if, if, if Trump is still in office, there's going to be a lot of social unrest from people who are just unhinged, um, in many cases, spiritually, emotionally, every which way they're unhinged. And, and we're going to see more of these violent protests. And if it doesn't go that way, I, I think conservatives are going to be making some very, um, definite decisions about, okay, how do we. How do we respond now? It certainly won't be violence, but how do we respond now in a way that is is strong, is um, is needed? Um, I mean, so they're not going to be able to put down this movement of the people, uh, but what that will mean, I don't know. I mean, if Trump is not, you know, kept in there, and heaven forbid, you know, uh, we lose the two Georgia seats there in, in um, the Senate seats in Georgia, and then, you know, imagine son, if they started to pack the courts as they had the White House, the Senate, and the House. Um, now, you know, hey, the Lord has brought many people to faith in Christ in nations that have been under that type of control and, and far worse than that. So, you know, we want to keep it all in perspective. Um, uh, you know, I mean, there, there are many Christians in China today who, who are suffering much worse, you know, uh, oppression and suppression and in North Korea and, and in, in the Middle East, you know, and so forth. So um, we've been kind of spoiled here in America uh, to be free. And our freedom has come from the Lord, but we're also a nation of law and order. We're a nation that has a constitution, and that's why I'm actually optimistic, son. I, I'm hopeful the Supreme Court is going to do something significant here. Um, they are going to, because in some ways, it's kind of the last line of defense, humanly speaking. I mean, the Lord is always there for us, no matter what happens. But just in terms of the kind of legal situation, the political situation, um, uh, now, if they kick it back to the states, then you could argue that, well, then, you know, kind of the state legislatures are kind of that last line of defense, and, and in that way, that would be the case. They they get to pick the electors, but, um, boy, if, if the Democrats don't get their way on this, look at what they did leading up to the election, Son, these protesters. They're certainly not all Democrats, but, I mean, um, there were a lot who did. My goodness, what are they going to do if, if Trump is, is uh, 
you know, if he's still in the White House here come January and February. You know, Dan, one of the things like you mentioned is the where's our focus? You know, we talked about we started the the conversation with this uh, this homeowners association telling a couple in North Carolina that they had to take their cross down because the cross is more representative of Easter, not Christmas, and you can't have, I guess, Easter decorations up at Christmas time, and so they have to take the cross down. And so then you've got you know Christians voting for Biden and Harris because they just hated Trump. And yet without, I guess, to me personally thinking about it, realizing the ramifications of that, sure, you voted against him, but now you voted for, you know, all these things like pro-abortion, you know, and all this other stuff that comes down with that liberal agenda. And then you start to sit there and like we've mentioned, like I mentioned too, you know, it doesn't make sense that people continue to vote the way they do, especially for these people that don't care about them. All they care about is themselves. I mean, Nancy Pelosi goes on TV with her freezer full of ice cream. She goes to the, you know, the salon without her mask on and blames the salon, the gotcha. The salon got me. Well, if the salon could get you, then I'm sure China has gotten to you already. Um, you look at all these other politicians like Gavin Newsom locks things down, but then does his own thing. Another guy goes off to Florida or to uh, Mexico after telling people to lock down the governor of Michigan's husband, you know, wants his boat out on the lake. And so they do their own thing. So basically they're in it for themselves and they don't care about the constituency. But the comment was, I don't understand how people can do this. But the point is, is that it doesn't make sense through the lens of the world. But when we look at it through the biblical perspective, we know what makes sense. And that is if we keep our focus on God and we know that we're not living for this world, but we're living for eternity. And what we do for God in this world is going to matter in eternity by spreading the news, sharing, putting a cross up and letting people ask, why is that up? And maybe sharing the gospel message with them. Um, those are the type of things that then start to make sense, that start to put a focus on. And we start to realize that, you know, without God in control and he's in control of everything, Without God being in control, this world would be way worse off than what it is. And there's no promise that this was going to be a walk down Candyland lane where we're going to sit there and have everything come up, you know, uh, roses and everything was going to be peachy. You know, like you mentioned, the Christians in China and Christians in other places that are being persecuted, Christians here in California that are being persecuted. You know, because their churches and other places where churches, you know, Jewish people having synagogues, you know, I think, uh, I don't know if it's the governor of New York or the mayor of New York City, but, you know, they're, they're threatening to close a synagogue down permanently because they keep, you know, going back to their place of worship. And it's like you've got these assault on the Christian faith, on the religious faith of people happening, and people just sitting back and accepting it like it's no big deal. And again, I can't go back. I go back to thinking that maybe we're conditioning ourselves because of things like homeowners associations and and other things where people just, you know, and mob rule. Like you said, we we know that if this thing got overturned, people would explode onto the streets. We'd see rioting and protesting like we've never seen before. And people want to have this group thought. No one wants to have an independent thought. They want to be a part of the right. the mass. You know, okay, so I am going to – I can't say I'm a Trump supporter, so I'm not going to say anything at all. You know, that was the whole thing during the election, the secret Trump right. vote, right? And so um, and so that, that type of thing is going on. But yet as Christians, we need to be standing up and being, you know what, this is what we stand for. This is what we're going to stand for, and this is the message I'm going to bring to you, and that is the message of Jesus. That is the message of salvation, and that is the message of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And as long as we repent and ask forgiveness and invite him into our lives, then we have all eternity to be with him, and everything that we do here on earth and the things that go on here on earth are a little less, I don't want to say they're not meaningful or real, but our perspective changes. Okay, it doesn't matter that Biden gets into office, let's say, okay, because we know we're going to heaven. We know God's in control. But then on the flip side, other people may say, oh, Trump's in office. I don't care about God, so I'm going to riot and protest and act accordingly. Yeah, There's a difference there. When you believe in God, how you're going to respond to things, especially when things don't go your way, versus a non-belief in God and how you're going to respond, especially when things don't go your way. Yeah, well, and that's, that's it, son. You know, I'm, I'm reminded here, you know, a few years ago, maybe it's been more than a few now, but you might remember back when, you know, it, it made news that the Democratic Party wanted to remove the word God from their platform. Well, I, I guess maybe those people within, uh, within that party who, who recognize that 
their party does not stand for anything that that would um, really flow from the New Testament. Um, that that it just would make sense to remove God from a party that is, is going to, um, you know, try and, and give more power to politicians than to people. That's going to give the power to the uh, abortion um, provider rather than the the unborn child. You know, who has all the power there? Um, the abortion provider who's being paid to go in and take the life of that unborn child. Um, you know, how can any civilized nation, you know, uh, allow that to happen and, and even make it legal, you know, uh, for that to happen. Um, so, you know, the fact that they wanted to take God from the platform only makes sense. I mean, you know, son, I've, I've been waiting to, to hear where's even one election fraud accusation against, um, let's say, Republican poll workers or a Republican party controlled a city you know all we're hearing about are these cities like like philadelphia and detroit and atlanta and 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 and, uh and las vegas and and places where you know the 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 democrats or certain democrats within their party have so locked down the the whole system there and have have apparently you know created such a fraudulent uh system but but why is that only being done there? Is, is it a coincidence that the party that wants to remove God from their platform because you know they're they're not ashamed of, of, of killing the unborn even up up to the up to the day of birth? Uh, they they don't seem to be ashamed of that. Um, why would they want God in that platform? Now again, I, I wouldn't want somebody to hear this as just being a blanket condemnation or judgment against any person who is a Democrat. Hey, we're all sinners. But but you know what? If you are a Democrat. Uh, and you're listening to this, then it's up to you to defend why you believe that taking the life of an unborn child uh, right up to the point of birth, it's not after even, but uh, right up to the point of birth, it's up to you to defend your party. It's up to you to defend why you think your party is stronger with God not in it, even though, you know, uh, we have been a nation historically who've said in God we trust. We've been a nation who has, uh, you know, uh, very a very strong um, history with the Ten Commandments and, and with, with God's law and, and our Judeo-Christian heritage is there, even though many Democrats are ashamed of it. Um, so, so it's up to them to explain why all the election fraud is happening in the cities where the hardcore leftists are in control. Now, who's produced those? It certainly hasn't been conservatives. I mean, I'm not saying there aren't folks on, on the right who, who, uh, uh, who, are, you know, who aren't sinful and so forth. We're all sinful. But, but what, why, why are we seeing all the fraud just on one side? Why, why are we seeing, you know, the one side that wants to clamp down? You know, you, you can't have a cross on your house. You can't go out of your house. You can't gather with your family at Thanksgiving. You can't do this. You can't do this. Before long, you have to take the vaccine. You, have, you know, where's this spirit of control coming from? Certainly not from sanctified reason. Certainly not from a relationship with the Lord. So, so there's a direct correlation between a person's relationship with God and the amount of freedom they want others to enjoy. And this is where Donald Trump stepped into a situation where so many Americans have been under the thumb of leftist politicians and big tech and, and the leftist media. And, and I'm just thankful that they found that there are some news outlets, especially online, but, uh, you know, even some now, you know, that are on the air that you can go to and hear a conservative and you can hear the truth. I mean, hey, if a Republican's done something wrong, I mean, fine. I mean, yeah, talk about that just like if it was a Democrat. But don't just don't just block all the stuff you don't want out there about people on your side. And that's what the left has done for so long, and they continue to do it, son. And the Hunter Biden thing is a case in point. And they, they had, there's no excuse for what they've done, and it did influence this election greatly. Um, you know, ten percent of those Democrats who voted for. Uh, voted for Biden now say that if they'd heard that stuff about Hunter Biden, it's now coming out that even leftists are acknowledging these, you know, that he's been under investigation, um, that they would not have voted for Biden. So there goes the election right there. So did they sway it? Absolutely. By suppressing the truth. And that's what they're good at. And, and I'll tell you, Sam, this is why Christians have to speak out. And, and otherwise, um, you know, the, the, the darkness prevails. And, and so uh, uh, we just have to keep praying and keep, speaking the truth and, uh, and trusting the Lord to help us in the midst of all of this.
And uh, just for people that are listening, just so they know, I like to say this just because um, it gives us clarification when we talk. There's a difference for me when we talk about an individual who may have done something like maybe have gotten an abortion or something like that versus a policy of endorsing that. There's two different things. So I don't want people to think that, you know, if you have gone through something or or whether you're – it could be anything. It could be anything that you're going through. It's yes. not the individual that yes. it's it's that we're talking about. It's it's the policy and having Amen. this uh, you know support for a policy because there are things that, that we do. Such an important point because yeah. there's things I yeah. do you know every day that Amen. you know, Amen. that I that I personally disagree with, but I still do. You know, I'm a sinner. I, I do things you bet. wrong. You bet, son. Yep. So again, I just want to make that make that point that the condemnation is not upon people no. because there there are ways that if we came together if, just imagine if we had a policy of pro-life and build yes. a foundation and had a company that was opposite of Planned Parenthood that actually helped pregnant women come in help them with the resources to have a baby maybe place in foster care or whatever the case may be imagine how different the country would be and how society would be but again when we have this you know policy a blanket policy of, you know, death and killing of the unborn, right. you know, it's just, that's, that's and then, right. so anyways, that's the difference to, uh, no, son, I am so thankful you made that point because we can't make that point too many times. Um, and especially when we are calling things out as we are in this podcast, um, we would not be doing justice to the Bible and to the gospel. If, if we left the impression in any listener's mind, that, wow, you know, like you said, son, wow, you know, if you've had an abortion, boy, you're out of luck. I mean, that's like, you know, scarlet letter for you. Um, no, we're talking policy. We're talking what's the difference between promoting righteousness and, and promoting evil. Um, but at the same time, the message of the gospel is that, as you said, son, we're all evildoers. We're all equally sinful. Um, we all need a savior. And so, um, you know, this is a time of year when, you know, when the, when the birth of our Savior is, is, is being announced and, uh, you know, it's got to go deep in our hearts if it's going to change us. It's got to go deep enough where we're, we're, we're not ashamed to talk about all of Christianity, no matter what time of year it is. And, and, and if somebody has the audacity to try to control somebody else with, with their Christmas decorations, my goodness, give me a break. No, you can't put the cross on your house. Um, that's not appropriate right now. Oh, we're Christians, mind you. Uh, but you can't put the cross on your house right now. Um, you have to save that for Easter. It's like, get a life, get off of your legalistic high horse. And, and, and here's a case sign where I would say to anybody who's inclined to put that, um, try to put that just a bondage upon, you know, their, their neighbors or whatever. I would say, yes, my friend, there's forgiveness for you, but, but, but you, you are not looking at this right. You are not on track with the spirit of Christmas. Um, so I'm not calling into question your faith. I'm calling into question your tactics, your pressure, your, your rules. Like the Pharisees had all these rules they tried to put around people. And I would say, my friend, to you in Christian love, drop all these little ticky-tack rules. And if somebody wants to put the cross up or if they want to put uh, – I mean, if they want to put a Santa Claus in their yard, what are you going to tell them? No, you're a Christian. You can't do that. I mean, I mean, what, what, what end of the spectrum? Well, you know, how controlling, my friend, do you have to be? You know, so it's just like recognize that you stepped into that. That's not that's not something that's healthy for, for a society. And, um, you know, let people express their faith uh, as they're led and, and keep the message of, of the of the cross, the message of the uh of, of the birth of Christ and of the empty tomb. Let's keep that at the forefront and, and not get hung up about, you know, well, this person has to do it exactly the way I do, or boy, they're, you know, they're not, they're not doing it the right way. I mean, give me a break. And for those uh, listening, no matter who you are, what you do, good, bad, indifferent, Jesus is always there with open arms waiting for you anytime that you want to run into those arms. Dan, we appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Uh, we look forward to our next conversation. I'm sure there's going to be plenty more to talk about the next time we get together. But, again, just thank you for your for time sure. and your thoughts, and uh, and we really play, uh, appreciate uh, you joining us. Thank you as well, Son. And uh, to each listener, you know, we just want to say, hey, God loves you. Christ was born for you. He died for you. He rose again for you. 
Um, come near to God and he'll come near to you, my friend. Uh, this, this month, this is the time. Now, um, you know, this is the time to come to the Lord if you haven't. And, um, and if you have, then uh, renew, that, renew that focus this month. You'll be glad you did. And for those of you listening, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. And until next time, God bless.